What up, guys? This is The Chase Down. I'm your host, JP, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's up, everybody? And today, we promised you guys a draft episode. We're going to go through some teams that are tanking, some of our favorite prospects, maybe where they would fit best, and things like that. So we're just going to hop right into it. A lot of tanking's going on in the league right now. A little bit less than other years because we have the play-in situation. Teams are trying to get into that. But obviously, there are still some teams that are tanking. So, Ben, what are your opinions on teams tanking right now and how the odds in the lottery are different from years prior? Um, so, they changed the odds last year, I think. So, the bottom three teams all have the same odds of getting a number one pick, and it's a 14% chance. So not incredibly high. Um, so my the thought process is if you're not sure whether or not you should tank or just try to play, you should try to play. Because if you tank, you're not guaranteed to get a great pick. Um, but we're going to talk about – we're going to start talking about Houston, Detroit, and Minnesota. Because those are the three worst teams right now. They all have a 14% chance to get a number one pick. And if you look at any mock draft, the number one pick is Cade Cunningham. Um, So, JP, just give the listeners an idea of what sort of player Cade Cunningham is. So, Cade Cunningham's like a 6'8 ball handler. I don't really want to call him a point guard because I think he could probably play like the wing in uh, in the league who could like maybe do some of the stuff Jimmy Butler does, like run the pick and roll for your team and distribute. Um... He has a knack for clutch shooting too, and he's a really effective three-point shooter. And I've been seeing some comps of like uh, Jimmy Butler as one player. I've seen Ben Simmons with a jump shot uh, because Cade has some pretty high defensive ceiling as well, just because of his size and his length and his willingness to defend. So some of these comparisons he's getting are pretty insane. Like we're talking about all NBA players here. Um, But overall, I just think he's a type of guy where his ceiling is really high and his floor is really low. I don't see him being a bust in almost any circumstance. I think he's just going to come in and be an effective player right away. Yeah, I think that's all really, really good. He shot 41% from three his year in college. Um, Didn't really have a great showing in March Madness, but he was already the number one pick uh, according to everybody before it. So it didn't really affect his draft stock. Um, I like the idea of playing him as a point forward instead of making him a guard. That's kind of what I had thought uh, leading up to this is he could be a good point guard, a really tall point guard. Um, But I mean, you don't need him to be that. He could be a three or a four and you can run offense through him just the same. Um, Out of the top three teams, I, the the only one I don't want him going to is Minnesota. Um, I don't really believe in Minnesota's culture. So I just feel like he'll, he won't, improve a whole lot and the team won't improve a whole lot but I don't know Chris Finch is slowly starting to turn my mind around to that team yeah um I don't know I just feel like there's too many guys who want to be the number one option on Minnesota I agree with that point that point right there could be shaky for Cade because Cade's one of the type of player where he doesn't need to be the number one guy I mean he was that by default at Oklahoma State the team around him really wasn't as talented as maybe it should have been and he kind of dragged that team to the tournament but I think he would be okay being the second option on a team but I don't think that's what you want from a number one overall pick like Anthony Edwards, we know how much he shoots the ball. D'Lo, he thinks he's better than maybe he actually is. And then you have Carl Anthony Towns to share touches with too. I feel like his 
he wouldn't be as useful on Minnesota as he would maybe be on Detroit or Houston because him running pick and roll with Christian Wood sounds amazing to me. And him being on the same court as Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, and Jeremy Grant, that's a young core that could grow all together. So I, I get what you're saying, but I still think even if he did end up in Minnesota, they could have a starting five of D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, Cade Cunningham, uh, Jaden McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns, which is just talent galore. Like just, and it's a huge lineup too. So, yeah, I don't. I think he's gonna fit pretty much no matter where he goes. Yeah, I mean, the more you talk about it, the more I guess I'm slowly believing you. Uh, I definitely watching Minnesota since they've gotten Chris Finch. I believe in them more than I believe in the Pistons. Um, because even though Minnesota's not a great team, they're much better since the All-Star break than they were at the start of the season. Um, And it seems like the guys aren't happy with the situation that they're in, which is something that you like to see. It doesn't seem like there's so much energy out of Detroit. Um, I just, I worried whatever team he goes to, I want him to be on a team that's going to help him develop. Uh, But Minnesota, he would be great for. I think Houston would be ideal. The Rockets, that would be a very quick turnaround for the Rockets if they could get Cade Cunningham. Yeah, and I I talked about it a little bit earlier in the season. I don't know how much I believe it now, but I was talking about how, like, if they had Victor Oladipo, John Wall, Christian Wood, and then you add Cade Cunningham in, like, that could be a quicker turnaround than maybe Houston thought they could get when you get rid of, like, a top seven player in the league with James Harden. But Victor Oladipo's gone, and he wasn't the player we thought he was when he was there anyway. John Wall is not good. Christian Woods, Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate are the good players on Houston, and that's it. So it's still a pretty bare-bones roster. But I think if you have Christian Wood and Cade Cunningham as, like, the 1-5, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, they got young guys in Kevin Porter Jr. and uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. Yeah. They've got some young, promising talent. So I think as a young core, that could be very solid. I think a sleeper team for Cade that me personally, I would love to see him on is OKC. I know we're going to talk about them a little bit later, but OKC with Shea Gilgis-Alexander as a ball handler, you could take him off ball a little bit and give it to Cade, or you could even have Cade at forward and have Dort as your two guard. And that lineup with Pokusevsky, and I'm assuming Moses Brown, is just giant. Like you have a 6'6 point guard, 6'8 wing, 7'1 power forward, and a 7'0 center. It's just the defensive potential with that is unreal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he would look great on OKC. He would look great on so many teams. Um, Washington, if they could get him, that would be an interesting situation. Um, It just depends on what teams are really going to commit to the tank once they realize they're not going to make it to the 10 seed. Toronto's another team that if Kyle Lowry doesn't stay and they could get a supersized point guard like Cade, that would be great for them. Yeah. Um, Um, So let's let's talk about another, the number two pick. Uh, yep. Not a consensus everywhere, but I'm going to say it's Evan Mobley. Yeah. Uh, seven foot tall, 19 years old, 215 pounds. Uh, he averaged three blocks a game in college. He, we know going into the NBA, he is going to be a good defender. Yeah. Um, we don't know if he'll be anything else, but he will, all, he will definitely be a great defender. And he's got some sort of interior scoring. Like he can score a little bit in the post, but he doesn't have a lot of moves. Um, what are your thoughts on Evan Mobley? I'm kind of a fan of his. I just – I you said something before we started the pod. Um, we've seen a whole bunch of seven-foot guys who can dribble, and then they end up being nothing. 
And that's true. Like Thon Maker took the world by yep. storm, breaking ankles in high school, just like absolutely dominating. And then he's out of the league, I think. Or he might be on like the deep bench in Detroit. I'm not sure. But I mean, Evan Mobley, we've seen him dribble to the point where like he can get to his spot past other big men. And that looks encouraging to me. And you brought up the defensive potential. Like, at worst, this guy's just an elite rim protector his whole career. Hopefully, he can add some offensive game. Um, we, we spoke about it a little bit before the pod as well. He only shot around 30% from three-point range, and that's the college three. So that's not even the NBA three. So he's got to work on maybe some shooting mechanics or, like, I, I don't know, shot selection, something like that. But in terms of, like, alley-oops, uh, dump offs he's gonna get those and a def- like I just think at worst he's gonna be Clint Capella you know what I mean like I just think that's a pretty good comparison for his floor but his his potential if he can get the jump shot going I think he could be like Chris Bosch with elite rim protecting yeah I mean before this year I honestly didn't think Clint Capella was anything special as a defender but I mean we're we're seeing a lot of good defense out of him so I think that's fair yeah. Um, I think it's fair too, because he is a pretty terrible free throw shooter and the, the 30% from three point range isn't an anomaly of any kind. He's just not a good shooter. Yeah. Um, so that plus the fact that he's just incredibly skinny, it's going to be a while, I think, before he is a really high impact player on both ends. But I think we know going into this he they could put him at the four and he could be a pretty good four kind of like the way that Jaden McDaniels has been um but yeah I'm 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 a little bit worried just because the Thon Maker comparison is fair the bowl bowl comparison just a tall dude who can dribble who's way too skinny and can get pushed around way too easily um you kind of have to build around them. You can't just plug and play with a guy like that so it'll be interesting to see where he goes where do you think he fits best so I like him for the Cavs. Um, I, I don't know why. Like I said this earlier in the year, I think. Him and Jared Allen on the court at the same time, paired with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland on the court at the same time, I think it just like evens each other out, right? You get two seven-footers who are great at protecting the rim, and then you have two guards who are kind of small and can't really fend for themselves in the post or like down low. So I just think it evens each other out. And even though Cleveland already has a great defense, I mean, you can never add more defense. You know what I mean? Defense, you need as much as it as you can get. They just need some more shooting too. So if he can add an outside game, uh, I think that would be a perfect fit. Yeah, I think that's – honestly, he would look really, really good on Cleveland. Uh, if Sacramento falls, I think he could probably look pretty good there next to De'Aaron Fox and uh, Halliburton. Yeah. Um, cause I think it's kind of time to give up on Marvin Bagley. Oh yeah. And you could put Evan Mobley could do Marvin Bagley's job as a rim runner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I think he'll be okay. I think it'll be a couple years before Evan Mobley's like a really good player, but I think he will get there. I, I think I might be a little bit higher on him than you are. I think I see what you're saying with the skinniness. It's always an issue. Like when you're a big guy, you're supposed to be able to stop other big guys. And when you're skinny like that, you can kind of get thrown around a bit. But could he grow into a body like Rudy Gobert, where Rudy Gobert still kind of looks spindly, but if you look closer, he's kind of got some muscle packed onto him? Probably, but like you said, it might take a year or two. But I think immediately he's going to be a great shot blocker in the league, just like as a positional defender and like defensive IQ. 
he's just got it. A lot of people, like when you have it, it kind of just sticks with you throughout college, NBA, high school, all that stuff. So I, I think he's going to be like a defensive anchor his first season. I think that's fair, honestly. I mean, he's got really good defensive IQ. Um, so even if he can be bullied around a little bit, he's smart enough to know how to play and how to use his own body to get blocked. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just – I'm a little worried. He's got to get stronger legs. He's got to get a lower center of gravity. Yeah. He just can't be pushed around. After that happens, he'll be great. Fantastic. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, next prospect I want to talk about is Jalen Green. So I've heard some crazy stuff about Jalen Green. Like his, some of the comparisons this kid's drawing, I think is a little insane. Um, I've heard shades of young Kobe. I've heard Zach Levine right now. I've heard some crazy stuff. Like Zach, people don't realize what Zach Levine's doing right now. Like he is unbelievable. Zach Levine. All NBA. Yeah. Like 28 points per game on like incredible true shooting and stuff like that. So these are like pretty high marks. And then, Obviously, you're comparing him to Kobe Bryant, like a top 10 player of all time. So I want to talk about him for a little bit. His athleticism is ridiculous. This guy, if you watch his highlights, if you watched him in a game, it just pops off the screen. He grabs your attention. It's similar to Anthony Edwards in that way, where it's just like, holy crap, that guy's way bouncier than everyone else on this court. He has uh, that similar trait, um, but he can shoot it. I mean, I've seen, I've watched him play twice and he's impressed me both times with his shooting and just like his speed and transition was what really stood out to me. Like he dusted everyone on transition. So I have high hopes for him, but I think some of the comparisons he's drawing are a little crazy. Um, Maybe the Zach Levine one could be achievable. Um, People think he might be the best pure scorer in this um, draft, but to think like 28 points per game at one point in this kid's career, not a lot of players hit that benchmark. So I'm high on him, but I, I don't know how realistic these expectations we are putting on him. Yeah. I mean, if, as soon as you throw around Kobe or like right now, Zach Levine comparisons, it gets kind of hard to buy into that. Right. Um, I think he's just got to build up his frame a little bit. He's six, five, 165 pounds. Um, he's not really going to be a body, a strong body on defense. Um, he doesn't really, he didn't really show that for the Ignite team that he played for. Um, he's just an amazing offensive player. He could finish really well at the rim. He's a good free throw shooter. He can hit his threes. Uh, I think when he builds up strength, we can see uh, a bit of growth. I think he could be an even better three-point shooter. Um, it just all depends on his motor, honestly. I think he has the – if he's got the work ethic, he could develop into a lesser version of what Zach Levine is now. It's hard for me to say he'll be that, like he'll be an all-star. Because um, I, I, I just – you just can't project a player like that. But if he's got the work ethic, it's not impossible. Some of the things I've seen for him, too, is like he will guaranteed score 30 points per game in a season. And these are like seasoned – like mock drafts, people like scouts saying this. And it's just, it's hard for me. I mean, obviously I've only watched two of this kid's games, right? Like I've watched highlights, but in both of the games I've seen, he showed flashes, but nothing that made me think like he's going to dominate the NBA for like 12 years and be the leading scorer. Like think about who's the leading scorer in our league today, right? Steph Curry, he's a top 12 player of all time. You know what I mean? Like Bradley Beal, who's second he's incredible so it's 
it's pretty hard for me to get on that train, but I do think whatever team gets him is going to be really happy. And I think he would be a great fit in Detroit next to Killian Hayes. Um, if you could just have a backcourt pairing who are both 6'5", 6'6", and you have Isaiah Stewart on that team who's young too, and you can just kind of start your youth movement with two young guards and just let them work out their mistakes along the way. I think that would be great for Detroit. I think, yeah, Detroit's a great call. I think Orlando, he'd look pretty good mm. uh, next to Markel Fultz because Fultz yep. is a willing passer. Yes. Um, just any team that needs offense. Literally, if, there's a, if there is a big gap in a team and he joins that team, he will fill it offensively. Yeah. Um, we've talked about – this isn't a good comparison, but we've talked about how Michael Porter Jr. Is kind of, can score 28 points per game if he was on a garbage team. Yeah. Um, I think this, he, this dude's kind of the same. Jalen Green, if he was on a garbage team, taking Ant Edwards shots, like as many shots as he's taken, he could put up ridiculous numbers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Orlando would be really good. Detroit would be really good. Houston, again, if the Rockets could land him. I think, yeah. honestly, the teams that want a top three pick, Minnesota, Detroit, and Houston, they could take any of them and be very satisfied. Yeah, I agree. I think the top three prospects fit the bottom three teams really well. I think the worst fit for Jalen Green would have to be Minnesota for kind yeah. of what we were talking about with um, Cade. It's just like, where is he going to get the touches? Like they have two very shot dominant guards already. So he's probably not going to get the shots he wants there. I don't know that Minnesota needs more offensive minded players. That's what I was thinking about that while we were doing this exercise and the next player we're going to talk about, I think might be the best fit for them. And that's Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs is basic. I've heard this comparison and I completely agree because he's the player I've watched most out of all these uh, prospects. Um, he just reminds me of Tyrese Halliburton, but with a higher ceiling. I think Tyrese Halliburton, we both agree is incredible but I don't know if he's going to be a 20 point per game scorer in his entire career. Maybe he'll hit 17, maybe on like 50, 40, 90, right? Like, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for Tyrese Halliburton, but there's something for Jalen Suggs that makes me think like if his three point shooting is as good as it was in college and he was a streaky shooter in college, but when he was on, it was on. Oh, yeah. I just think, yeah, I think he could be a 20 point per game scorer with winning impact and good defense. I, I think he would be a perfect fit for Minnesota. Yeah, he is a, an amazing athlete. Um, you got to, like, athleticism is so much more than just jumping really high in the air. This dude is so quick. He's really good laterally. He can stay in front of guys. He's pretty strong, too. So offensively, he can finish through contact. Defensively, he can hold his own. Um, yeah, Minnesota needs somebody with some defensive mindsets. Um, who can also score a bit, and he can do both. He was great for Gonzaga this year. Um, yeah, Minnesota would really, really love him. Again, I think Orlando would really love him. There's uh, so many teams. I think any team, honestly, a top five pick, any team that gets a top five pick this year is going to be incredibly happy with whoever they get. I totally agree. There's five players in this draft that I think all teams in the NBA kind of agree on, like, that's a player we want on our team, which is kind of unusual for a draft. Um, but just to touch on like Jalen Suggs and how I think he would be uh, great in the NBA, especially for Minnesota, because I can't get that fit out of my mind. It's just like 
he's unselfish too, right? So we don't have to worry about the how many shots I get type of thing because he's going to play defense and he's going to pass the ball no matter what. And he'll stand and he'll stand on the top of the key waiting for a three-point jumper. He he doesn't mind, you know what I mean? Cade's similar to that, but I think with Cade's ball handling skills, you want him to have the ball more than what he would have in Minnesota. But with Jalen Suggs, he's fine being off ball. So I just I can't get that fit out of my head. I think it would be a great match. Personality-wise, too, it, it seems perfect. Yeah. Like, he seems like a great leader. Yeah. And I think Anthony Edwards is also a really great leader. Mm-hmm. Um, for as young as he is, just the, the poise he brings, I think, is really, really good. Those two guys together could really help turn around Minnesota's culture. Um, I think that's what they need. Minnesota really needs, instead of somebody who's just a really talented basketball player, they need a culture fit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Jalen Suggs would be an amazing pick for them. He can still pack on a little bit of muscle because yeah. um, he's 19 years old, but this dude's upside is crazy, I think. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very excited to see him. And there's a little debate, like, who would you rather have, like Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green? I don't know where I fall on that because Jalen Green's ceiling is so high, but we know the floor for subs. We know the f- he's going to be Tyrese Halliburton in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for offense right now, if you're looking to show, like, if, if that's what you want is someone who can put the ball in the hoop right right now, Jalen Green's probably your guy. Yeah. Um, Suggs isn't a bad scorer, but he's just – that's Jalen Green's skill. That's what he will bring to the NBA is really good offense. Right. Um, the next prospect we have to talk about is probably the most polarizing out of the five we've talked about, um, Jonathan Kaminga. So he's 6'8", 220 pounds. He's the youngest player in this draft class. He's just got the prototypical wing defender body already, at, at, and he's already the youngest guy in the entire draft class. And he's the player – out of those two Ignite games that I watched that actually jumped out to me the most out of him and Jalen Green, right? Um, He just made plays out of the post with his passing and with his finishing that he looked like a seasoned vet. And he, I mean, when they're playing these G League games, you got to remember they're going up against NBA vets or guys that are trying to feed their families. So like they're there to make money and like provide and stuff. And he was just taking their lunch money. Like he was going off on them. Um, his physicality was shocking against players how much like that much older than him so there's a part of me that really believes in him but then I look at his three-point percentage and I instantly don't care you know what I mean like it's like I don't know if I can even trust this guy to be an average NBA player because of how horrible that three-point percentage is yeah I think 100% sorry go shooting such an important part of the game that just if you're shooting 24% from three, it's not going to work. Yeah. 100%. It all depends on what team Kaminga gets drafted to. Um, if he gets drafted to a team with a culture like an OKC, um, I think he could be really, really good, but because there's obvious things he has to work on. He's six foot eight and he can ball handle, which is really, really good. Um, he's a great rebounder. He's he's a really good hustle guy, um, but he's just got a lot of. He's not really NBA ready yet. Um, I think he's the youngest guy out of this. Definitely out of the top five, maybe even the first round. He's 18 whole, years old right now. Yeah, the whole class. The whole yeah. class. Um, so it. And I I want a team who knows that he's a project to draft him. 
I don't want a team that's looking to for him to be a positive contributor immediately. Right. I don't want to put a lot of pressure on him. I want him to kind of just develop into whatever player he's going to develop in over the next couple of years. Cause I worry that his first year is going to be bad. Um, just cause if he's not put in the perfect situation, we're going to see his flaws are going to shine a little too bright. I think. I totally agree. I think he's a player who could get labeled a bust pretty quickly um, just because of like, like, let's say he goes 0 for 11 from three and he just has a horrible stretch shooting. Mm-hmm. Fans aren't going to really put up with that. Like we, they won't care. Like whatever team he goes to, they won't care if he shows defensive flashes or like a nice back, back cut pass. You know what I mean? Like if he's not scoring the ball with efficiency and he's shot chucking and like, He's just ruining the flow of the offense and stuff like that. Fans aren't going to like him very much. I think a potential path for Jonathan Kaminga is you draft him because the upside's so high because everyone in this league wants a guy who's six foot eight and can defend the wing. So you, you have to draft him, but maybe do what the OKC Thunder did with Pokusevsky or what the Nuggets did with Bull Bull, where you just put him in the G League for a season or like half a season, let him kind of get like more experience and then bring him up to the league because he's still 18. Yeah. So young. Yeah. Incredibly young. Um, And we've definitely seen the flashes in the G league. I think if he spent more time there, that can build up his confidence Um, because you can tell, I don't know. It seems like the, there are some players you can tell the game kind of slows down for them. Like Cade Cunningham, somebody who never really is rushed. Um, like he plays at his pace 100% of the time. I think Kaminga can kind of get rushed pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and in the NBA, that's just going to get worse. Um, so building up his confidence, because a six eight ball handler, so many teams look for that. And he's a willing passer too. Um, if those three things, if he can do them at an NBA level, I think teams will love him. Uh, I'm worried about his scoring because he doesn't look to be a good shooter. That's something you can teach, but it takes a while to teach that. Um, But I mean, his upside is undeniable. He could be an amazing player, all-star easily uh, if he can just figure out how to score. Yeah. Someone could make the counter argument to us that um, like he has all these dribble moves to get to the paint so he can score inside. And that's true. He, he's not going to have an issue scoring inside. I don't think in the NBA, it's more of outside. Like, are they just going to play him? Like they play Ben Simmons or Draymond green where they just hang out 11 feet away from him in the paint and don't even pay him any mind outside. It makes it a lot harder to get to the paint if they're waiting for you inside there already. So That's really my only concern with him because I've seen his passing ability. I've seen his handles. He's relentless on the glass, which is a really nice trait to see from a young player like that. And he's just the body type. It's just so important in today's NBA, 6'8", 220. He could guard, I don't know, Kawhi's for you if he reaches potential. He could guard LeBron's if he reaches potential. So every team's looking for that. So I just think he's a really interesting prospect. Yeah, his floor is very low, um, but his ceiling is very, very high. He is the the uh, most unpredictable pick out of the top five for sure. You know with the top four, you're going to get somebody who could produce right away. Right. Um, it'll really depend on where he goes if he's going to produce right away. 
Um, I'm going to ask you though, uh, if we're, if we're done talking about Kaminga. One more, one more thing for him. What team would you like to see him on? Cause I think OKC is really the only place that I can picture him working out with. Yeah. OKC would be the best place. Cause they, he, that team is really, really good at pushing their young guys. Yeah. Um, the Raptors, if they end up falling, that could yeah. probably be a place. He needs an established culture. I feel yes. like, so like we can't, bring him to Minnesota, not yet at least, or like Detroit, who's just restarting their rebuild. I want him to go to a team, like maybe Golden State, right? Like let's say they get Minnesota's pick, Golden State gets Minnesota's pick. I think Kaminga on Golden State would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Golden State's already got a really good uh, defender and passer who can't do anything else in Draymond. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he could learn a lot from some veterans like that. Yeah. Um, it would be, I think, a death sentence for his career if he ended up in Detroit. I do too. Like, that's bust potential if he goes I to do Detroit. Too. Yep. Um, but I want to talk about the, the sixth pick is not a consensus pick. No. Um, Davion Mitchell, Davion Mitchell, I don't know how you pronounce it, has really made a name for himself since March Madness. Yeah. Um, do you think he's, he would make sense as the sixth pick in the draft? I think he has to be, honestly. I think there's a lot of players in this draft where it's like they could turn out to be great or they could be out of the league before their rookie contract is up. And that's like very scary, I'm sure, for NBA GMs who are trying to keep their jobs. You, in this draft, you have to pick the most sure thing. And Davion Mitchell, at bare minimum, you know you're getting potentially an all-NBA defender. So is that good enough? I mean, he's strong. He's real. Like he's built. That dude is built. So he has an NBA body. He's a great defender. He won defensive player of the year in college um, as a guard, which does not happen very much. And he's great at getting to the hoop too. So, I mean, I think those three things you can kind of count on translating. And I think that's enough to make him the sixth pick. Yeah. I think honestly, it depends on what team has the sixth pick. If it's a team like Golden State um, that is looking to get productive players now, he would be amazing. Uh, he's 6'2", 205, super athlete. Yeah. Um, the problem is he's 23. Yeah. And very rarely does somebody who's not a one-and-done guy get picked that early. Like, as a number six pick, I don't know of that many. Buddy Heald was old when he got drafted, but I think he was seventh. Um. Yeah, there's not a lot of – teams don't really take those chances on the old guys who have a uh, certified known floor. I think Golden State, any team that just needs an extra productive piece should look to Davian Mitchell. Yeah. Um, I think there are some other – like if you're a team who's kind of looking for project picks, I think there are some other names you could go for. Um, like I was talking to you about this before we started recording, but Keon Johnson yeah. is someone who I think could be a six pick. If OKC's got a number six pick, I think they should get Keon Johnson immediately. Um, but Davion Mitchell, I don't, how do you, do you know how to pronounce his name? I think it's Davion. Davion. Okay. Yeah. Uh, showed out March Madness. He was not a lottery pick before March Madness and he had just an absolute burst. I think he showed teams that he's ready to go from day one, that he'll be a productive player from as soon as he steps on the court. What team do you think he fits? Because I like the Golden State pick. I like that a lot. I think New Orleans would be a great pick for him. 
just because, I mean, they struggle defensively. They're great offensively. They just need defense. So they could just kind of relegate him to be like a souped up Chris Dunn or like a poor man's Marcus Smart, maybe. Um, I'm trying to think of another team. I mean, the Timberwolves, honestly. I mean, they Golden State would get it at that point. But like if I could just plug Davion Mitchell into that starting lineup, I think that would be great for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, I don't know that there's a wrong answer because even if you're a team that's got a point guard, like the Cavs, you've already got two guards. You don't need another guard. He could be a six man. Um, and I think he's kind of shown that he's got leadership qualities. Yes. So it wouldn't be the end of the world if he ended up on Minnesota. Yeah. Um, or Detroit for that matter, or Houston for that matter. Not that I don't think Houston would get him if he fell to this, if, their pick fell to six. Yeah, they won. Um, I don't know, Washington, Orlando, any – I don't think there's a bad team to take Davian Mitchell. He's not a project player. He's going to be productive immediately. I think any team would really be excited to have him. I think so, too. And I think – I'll ask you after I, I kind of give my thoughts on this. I don't think his ceiling's very high, though. And I think it's because of his age – um, 23 years old, it's hard to get better at basketball. All right, it's not hard to get better at basketball at that point, but, like, how much room do you have to grow? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I think that's why there's risk about taking him with the sixth pick. Yeah. Um, it just really – if you're a team who's looking for high upside players, Davion Mitchell is not that guy. Right. Like, um, you can't – you can't go draft him believing he's going to be something more than he is right now. That's, that would be in my advice to NBA GMs. Like when Obi Toppin got drafted last year, like they drafted him because they thought he was going to be the same exact player he was in college. And that didn't even really turn out. So it's like the ceiling is lowered, but the floor is higher than probably most players. So I think he's going to be a good NBA player, but I don't expect him to like make an all-star game or anything like that. I think he's going to be a really good, like, either defensive guard in the starting lineup or, like, a really good bench player for his entire career. Yeah, yeah. Bench player, I think he could be a six-man for any team. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Keon Johnson, though, because early drafts, uh, if you look at the Ringers draft, he had him going sixth. Yeah. Uh, Keon Johnson is a project pick. Oh, yeah. This is the, the guy that I think OKC needs to go after. Like, package some of your first-round picks together and get him. Really? I, I think he could be really, really good. His stats don't show it. Um, like, if you look at his college stats, nothing overwhelming. 26% from three, 70% from the free throw line. Um, but he is a freak athlete, a great defender, and he has the potential, I think, to be a good scorer one day. Um. And I just OKC is the best place to make to take young prospects. I just think they would they could do a lot with him. They've shown the willingness to be patient with their guys. So I, I kind of agree with you, but like let's say they're in the fifth spot. They can't choose Keon Johnson over Kaminga. I don't no. think I think you have to take, but you would advocate, like if you're the GM, you're advocating to like trade some of the other picks you've acquired to go to six and then grab if you're the ninth pick get up to move up to six or maybe not i mean because it depends on what teams are above them because a team that's looking for a high floor player isn't going to go after keon johnson no 
Um, so I guess you have to stake out and see what the other teams are looking for. Um, but if OKC's got a pick in the top 10 that's not top five, I think they almost have to use it on Keon Johnson. His athleticism is strange. Like he, as a guard, a 6'5 guard, it's strange how athletic he is. Um, I just don't – I can't get a great read on him. Uh, it kind of comes back to the point with like Kaminga where it's like he's a 26% three-point shooter. And as a guard, I think that makes it even worse. Like, as a forward, maybe you can get away with it because he's got the ball handling and, like, the post moves and stuff like that. So maybe he can get away with it. But as a guard who's shooting 26% from three, and that's the college three-point line, that's scary. That's a scary thing to have in the NBA. Yeah, no, he's not a good shooter. Um, He's really good at controlling his speed. He can accelerate and decelerate pretty well going to the basket. He's very quick. Um, so if he gets his shoulder by you, you're not catching up to him if he's driving to the hoop. Um, I think if he can just get a good handle, um, he will be a net positive for his whole career. Like that's all he needs right now. He doesn't really have a great handle, but if he's got that, he can get to the hoop at will. Um, cause he is so quick. What path do you envision for Keon? Like, let's say OKC does draft him. Is it something that's more of an experiment, like I was talking about with Kamingo, where they put him down in the G League for a bit and kind of, like, let him season? Or do you think, like, just send him into the lineup, let him work out his kinks right away? I think they do what they did with Pokashevsky. Um, They threw Pokashevsky into the fire immediately, and he failed. And so they said, okay, he needs to develop. We'll send him to the G League. And when he came out of the G League, he was so much better. Um, I can see that with Keon Johnson. I can see them sending him down to the G League and saying, uh, you got to be a better shooter. you got to be a better ball handler. Drive with confidence. Like, And if he can work on those things and they bring him back, he can be excellent. Because he's already, I think, a plus defender. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of his calling card is one, his athleticism, his athleticism is his defining trait, but he tries really hard on defense. And that's more than you can say for a lot of players just in general, right? Mm -hmm. Like most players are lackadaisical on defense, but this kid tries. And with his athleticism, it makes him a plus defender. I think if he could put on a little more weight, he would be a good defender right away in the NBA. I think with his frame, He might get pushed around by like veteran guards like Chris Paul could probably use his body into him and stuff like that, even despite the height difference. But um, if he can put on some weight, I really see defensive potential for him. Just like you were saying, maybe a better handle. Obviously, got to improve the jump shot a little bit. His free throw percentage isn't horrible. It's like 71, 72. So, I mean, like that's passable. So I, I like the idea of him. I'm just not sure what his ceiling is like in your opinion if everything goes perfect what do you think his ceiling could be um I think a better version of Gary Harris a better offensive version of Gary Harris Gary Harris you know whatever player you put him on he's going to lock down that's fair um you also know that you can't rely on him to score like whatever buckets you get from him are a blessing you shouldn't count on anything yeah. Um, and I think early in Keon's career, that's what we're going to see from him. Mm-hmm. But all it takes is work ethic and knowing what you need to change. Like if, if OKC's got good player development, he could definitely be a good shooter eventually. Like yeah. there's nothing stopping him except his work ethic. I think he would fit really nicely on New Orleans as well as a defensive minded point guard. 
Um, they need that badly. Uh, they yeah. have Kiara Lewis on the bench, who's just like offensive-minded. He's a good player. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's wicked fast. But, like, you could do a young backcourt with these two different types of looks you could give other teams. And just, like, you don't have to count on him to score as much, mm. even though you would like him to be a spacer. Like, you, you need defense on a team badly. So if he can provide that, I think that helps them. Yeah, um, we haven't even talked about New Orleans enough, but any of our any of the defensive-minded guys we've brought up would fit great there. Yeah. Um, and we already know from watching Lonzo and Brandon Ingram that New Orleans has good shooting coaches. Um, so that might be the perfect place for him. I think OKC yeah. would push him, but New Orleans, if they can teach him how to shoot, he's probably – he's I think as a ceiling, he is third or fourth best on the team. Um, I don't know beyond the sixth pick and there was already a little bit of talk about who that should be. I don't know that there's any consensus for seven through 10. There isn't. And it's just a smorgasbord from that point on. I mean, people are just going to draft who they think they could make better than they actually were in college. There's one player though, that outside of the top six, top six or seven that I want to talk about. And it's Franz Wagner. Or yeah. Wagner. Wagner, I think. Wagner. Yeah, Wagner. So it's Mo Wagner's little brother, and he was an incredible defender in college. And he's got the pro- prototype body. He's 6'9", 220, similar to Kaminga, right? Except he's good at passing, good defensive IQ. He's in the right position all the time, and he can shoot the three a little bit. I mean, he's not chucking up a ton of attempts, but, like, if he can hit the three a little bit in the league – I think that makes him valuable right away to any team. Like, I think he's one of those guys that you can put him in and you can kind of count on him being decent immediately. Yes. He's got a lot of skills that you need on your floor. Yes. Um, Somebody who can make smart passes, somebody who can screen well, somebody who knows how to get his teammates open um, and knows how to pass it to them when they are open. Um, And he's a good defender. Yeah. I think he, as a top 10 pick, he absolutely makes sense. I don't know that there is a right or wrong team for him, I'll say. I agree. Um, I think he is the sort of player, kind of like Davion Mitchell, where you can plug him into any team in the NBA and he will be an impactful player. Um, He doesn't have any sort of ball handling skills, but he doesn't really need to as a wing. He's not a crazy athlete, um, but he is a skilled basketball player and there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, I totally agree. I just think like – just basketball IQ as a rookie is kind of underrated. If you have a player that knows what they have to do their rookie year and how they can contribute to winning, I think that's a plus because most rookies are out there like chickens with their head cut off, just trying to figure out the league. So if you could get Franz Wagner up there, knowing what he's doing immediately, I think any team would be very grateful to have him on their team. Yeah. And I don't think he'll demand a lot of shots at any point in his career, honestly. I don't either. Um, I think he is a, you stick him around the perimeter on offense. If he's not got the ball in his hands and he's not screening and he'll hit you some threes and on defense, he can be, I saw Xavier Tillman as a comp for him, which is interesting. Just a dude who can kind of uh, be the rock for your defense and make sure that, and just like deter guys from the paint. I think Franz could do that. He's more of a wing player. Um. I don't know what his ceiling is. I have literally zero clue what his ceiling is. I think his ceiling is like being a top 10 role player in this league. So like he'll never touch an all-star game, but he'll just be one of those guys that were like, 
we want him on our team. Like mm. a Mikhail Bridges, maybe. Like maybe that. Actually, Mikhail probably could make an all-star game. So maybe a little bit lower than that. But that type of player where we're just like, he can defend, he can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass. Just like all around skill. Yeah, I was thinking like the sort of impact that TJ McConnell brings. Not different players, entirely different players, but like that level of impact. I think he could be better. I think think he could be in a starting lineup. I think he would maybe be the fifth best player in that starting lineup, but like he would never let you down type of thing. He's not going to piss you off and like punch the, like punch the table because he's making mistakes over and over again. I just think, and it's something I think I could see from him too is something similar to Draymond where like he sets screens, but when he catches the ball on the roll, he can pass to the corners and just like keep facilitating. He's a, he, I feel like he's going to be a great hockey assist guy in the league. Is there a team you think he fits very well in? I think we, he fits fine on any team, but is there a team specifically that you think uh, should look at him? This is kind of the pick I want the Celtics to get. I don't think we're going to be there. I don't know if we even have any more picks to trade up for, but now that we do. Yeah. But this is the guy I want to go to the Celtics because he's a like, we have so many players on our team right now that we just can't count on for like any type of scoring or anything to help us. Like Romeo Langford, Semi Ojale, like they're, we don't know if they're even going to score a point or like get an assist. And yeah. we know for sure that he can. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. He doesn't, he won't demand much attention at all and he'll just do the right things. Um, if he somehow fell past the lottery, that would be an excellent pick for us. Yeah. Um, are um, there any other players that are really standing out to you? Not really. I mean, this this there's one kid like Josh Giddy. He's from Australia, so like yeah, yeah. So let's talk about him. I've seen him on like Ball is Life. He's six foot eight. Seems like he's just kind of like an all around player. Like I think he averages like eleven nine and nine or something in Australia something like that so he shows versatility um I don't really see a team that he would fit greatly I think Minnesota is a good pick for him too but I don't know how many picks they have like down in the draft but I, I don't know I think that's a player to look out for just a pretty versatile big point guard who's kind of good at everything except for three-point shooting yeah yeah he's a good passer very yeah. good passer yeah. um he's been killing it in the the NBL which is cool to see um, he's a dude who's got to put on a lot of muscle. Um, he's a very skinny dude. He could get bullied pretty easily. But, I mean, if he's guarding point guards, it would probably work out. With the length he has, I think he would be all right. Yeah. I don't know that I see him as a top 10 pick. No. Um, but in the lottery, I don't think it's crazy if he goes, like, 13th or 14th, depending on what team's got that pick. I think he could even slide out of the lottery. I don't know how many teams are like super hyped about him. I think he should go in the lottery, but I haven't heard like much buzz about him. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he slides to the Celtics because I think he'd be a good addition too. I want to name two players that I've heard lots of buzz about. Uh, and I'm just not sure if I believe in and see okay. if you've heard about him. Scotty Barnes is the first one. Yes. Um, I have heard about him. Do you believe in the hype? Um, I'm not the, sure. By the hype, I mean people are putting him as a top 10 pick. Do you think that's reasonable? I think he will be. I think he will be. But I'm not, like, these Florida State prospects are so weird. Because, like, we see Patrick Williams, right? Like, he was the sixth man on Florida State. But now he's better in the NBA than he was in college. And, like, 
we go back to Jonathan Isaac. Like he was a tantalizing prospect. Like we weren't sure exactly what his potential was. And then he comes into the NBA as like a defensive player of the year type candidate. So like, I have no idea what to think with these Florida state prospects anymore. All I know is that this kid's really good at defense. So if you want like a small ball center, he's like the perfect pick to be a defensive small ball center. I don't know that I, uh, he can't shoot at all. Yeah. I think you need a small ball center to be able to shoot. I kind of think early until he figures that out, he's got to be a four. Mm-hmm. Um, he's six foot nine. I guess that could be a small ball center. Yeah, I mean, um, Rob Williams can't shoot. Yeah. Rob Williams is weird though. Cause he's got like a seven, six wingspan. Um, (laughs) but yeah he really doesn't have scotty barnes doesn't have a scoring ability he can score inside just fine uh he doesn't have a handle um but i think he will come into the nba as a plus defender the other name is another jalen name the third jalen uh in the top 10 and that's jalen johnson yeah um six nine two twenty out of duke uh really good athlete can pass can rebound but he kind of makes lots of mistakes and he quit on the duke team which people had a big issue with it definitely like he was projected to do the top five heading into this year and he wasn't playing that well on duke and then he quit and then that kind of sank him down draft boards i think he's similar to like not in terms of the way they play but like michael porter jr just on their like draft prospects like He's a pick that's going to go later in the lottery or even in the 20s that you might just have to choose just to see if you can flesh out the talent. Like, I know he's a great rebounder, and I know he's got the prototype body that every team wants. So, like, you could put him at the four, and he could just grab boards and just defend people. Mm. I'm not sure how good he is because, one, the sample size, and two, like, do you want someone on your team who kind of, like, bowed out of the tournament and, kind of left because he was facing adversity. I'm not sure if that's the mindset you want on your team, but like in terms of just raw talent, the kid's got it. Yeah. I think he needs to, for him to have a chance uh, at a long career, he's got to go to a team with a good culture. Uh, Toronto, if he ended up there, I think he could be pretty good. Um, OKC, I don't think so. I think he needs old veterans who can kind of show him what the deal is and how to stay in the NBA. Yeah. Um, because talent wise, he's fine. Talent's not the problem. You're right with the Michael Porter Jr. comparison. Um, he needs to go to a team that is going to make him get his shit together. Like you can't give him a, you need to have a leash on him. Otherwise he's kind of going to want to do what he wants. Um, and I think there's so many teams that draft for culture fits nowadays um, and look for who, not just who's going to be a good player on my team, but like, who do I want who would I like on this team? And Jalen Johnson is going to fall so much more than I think he should just because of that, just because his attitude is awful. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we, we forget, like if Michael Porter didn't go to a team with an MVP candidate and one of the smartest players in the entire league and Nikola Jokic, like let's say he's on a team like Houston right now. Michael Porter's career would be so different. Yes. Like he, he would be scoring 28 points per game right now, but no one would care and he would be learning nothing about how to win. So it's mm-hmm. just like the team you go to matters a lot. And I think with him, like, like you said, I think Toronto's a perfect example. That was a great, uh, great choice. Um, 
I think the Warriors too, like if their second pick, the one that they own falls in that range, I think that would be a great choice. So yeah, hopefully he gets drafted somewhere where they can flesh him out and kind of teach him how to be a pro and just kind of flip his view on his like playing style and stuff like that. The thing I worry about, um, and it's it's frustrating every time you see this. We the Celtics actually had this happen with Carson Edwards, um, where we sent him, we sent the Celtics sent Carson Edwards down to the G League, and he was pissed off about being in the G League. Um, I can see Jalen Johnson as that same sort of dude. If he's if he feels like he's not getting his opportunities, and they send him down to the G League, I can see him pouting, which I know a lo- is going to turn a lot of teams off to him. I think Golden State's a good option that could probably unlock him as yeah. his best self. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but let's wrap up that conversation and let's go to some questions that we wrote down before the episode just to get our thoughts out there. So first one I'm going to ask you and then I'll answer following you is which team would you like to see jump the highest in the lottery? So maybe a team that doesn't have the greatest odds, but you want to see them get a higher pick than they're projected to get um probably sacramento or new orleans new orleans i think uh that would save them because they're they're looking a little bit depressing this year like they're just not as good as we thought they were gonna be yeah um if they can get a top eight pick somehow um i think that would be awesome for them sacramento too i just i want to see both those teams be good I think those are really good picks. I like the Sacramento a lot. I like the New Orleans one a lot because I think if they could get even more young talent, I think, I think you just fire Stan Van Gundy, get a new coach in there, and then try to figure that out. But yes. my pick's actually going to be the Warriors. Um, I want their second pick to go really high, and I want them to get Minnesota's pick too. I want them to have like two top ten picks, just flesh out that bench with young, young kids – and then add some like veterans on the bench too. And then you get clay back. And I think with that, they could potentially be a contender again next season. I think you're completely right. Honestly, yeah. if golden state, that that's the most ideal situation for them. Um, I think they've got the worst odds for a top four pick with their own pick. Yeah. Um, Minnesota's if Minnesota goes fourth and they get that pick, that is, the best possible scenario for Golden State. I think that yeah. would really, really help. Um, but I think that would kill Minnesota. <sighs> like Minnesota needs this pick desperately. If it Bad. falls out of the top three, they're going to be really, really hurting. Bad. But like, I'm, I'm just thinking of the possibilities, right? So like, let's say um, Golden State gets Minnesota's pick at four. Like they select Jalen Green. You instantly have like 15 points off the bench, right? And they need scoring so bad. Or like, let's say they go the other route and they get Jalen Suggs, right? They have a like a veteran type of player who can just play defense, conduct the offense, take efficient shots, and just have a winning mentality. That helps tremendously. And then like with their second pick, if it got moved up, Maybe they do take kind of a home run swing with like a Jalen Johnson or a Scotty Barnes to try to get the potential out of those players. It's just, it's super interesting. I think that could totally flip the script for them. I think you're 100% right. Um, I also want to bring up OKC because I think they've got kind of the best chance to win this lottery. Yeah. Um, Cause they've got two picks. One's uh, what is it? Detroit or Houston's that can convey to them. It's Houston. Yeah. It's Houston. Um, if it falls out of the top four. Um, and they've got their own pick, which could be a top three, top four. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, their odds for a top four pick right now are 42%, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one of the highest percentages. Um, so they could, there's a possibility that they could have a f- top three pick and a top five pick. Um, and I was saying this to you earlier. I think if you could package that and get the number one pick in the draft, you do it. I, I would give up, I would give up two really good players to get one amazing player in Cade Cunningham instantly. I think it's definitely an interesting idea. Like, I, I'm not sure if I would do it, but I think teams in the NBA would be okay with that. Like we saw, we saw the Hawks when they drafted Luka Doncic, give him to the Mavs for two first round picks. The one number five, when they dropped back two slots and next year's first round draft pick. So if you give them two first round draft picks in this draft, like I think teams would be completely open to that. Um, especially because Cade, Cade is kind of in a tier of his own, but the gap isn't that big. Like people really like Mobley, people really like Green, people really like Suggs. So I think an NBA GM would be absolutely okay with doing that. I kind of like the other prospect though of them getting two good young players instead of one great. So they could just flesh out and just get a ton of like good players on that team and just develop them all at once. It, it's totally reasonable. I think I just want to rush their rebuild. I just want it to be here already. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they would be flipped around their top 10 seed easy, I think, with both Shea and Cade Cunningham. Um, but if you could bring in two top five players to OKC, I think that would do wonders. Um, I do want to talk about the way that OKC tanks because I am the biggest fan of the way that they tank compared to the rest of the teams. Um, Detroit's just bad. Detroit, yeah. I don't know that you call it a tank because they are losing, um, but I don't, I'm not sure. Like They're not trying to win. They're just an awful team. OKC is trying to win. They're just a very young team with not a lot of talent. And I just, I like the way that they're developing young players and also kind of just being okay with the fact that they've lost 13 straight. I don't think they're trying to win. Me personally. OKC? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think the players want to win, but they're not talented enough. Well, okay. That's fair. But yeah. Okay. So the players that are actually playing want to win. It's not just like they're throwing the games away or whatever. But OKC's sitting Shea Gilgis-Alexander for a fake injury. They're sitting Lugans Dort for a fake injury. And they're just sitting Al Horford out for the rest of the season. Because he's old. For literally no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the way they're tanking is interesting because they're focusing more on player development, in my opinion. Like, they're giving Alexei Pokusevsky the chance to, like, actually just run the offense. And I don't think any other team in the league would have given him that opportunity. Um, I think what they're doing smart, um, even though it might not be the best team to watch right now, um, but Pokusevsky's hilarious, so you got to watch it. Um, but I do, I do like the way they're tanking just because, like, we have other teams that are just not fun to watch. At least they're fun to watch because they have fun players. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I really liked when the Celtics played OKC, watching Moses Brown get 23-21. and 21. Uh, just some random kid coming out of nowhere and playing amazing. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, it's funny that the, the league really, really cares when big markets rest their big stars. Um, when OKC rests everybody in their starting five for the rest of the season, the league does nothing. No, um, no not just Lou Dort, Shea, and Al, but Darius Baisley, Mike Muscala. Pokashevsky sits a lot of games. Yeah. Um, 
anybody who they think is a net positive and will get them wins, they sit. Uh, which is interesting. It's like it's weird that they're allowed to do it, but I like that they're going the player development route instead of just playing your starters and losing every game like Minnesota and Houston do. Yeah. Well, I think Minnesota's actually trying to win, but they're not good. Like yeah. if you watch, they're okay. So they've been winning a lot more games than they were when, um, I don't, I forget his name. Ryan Saunders was there. Mm -hmm. Um, Another question for you, which team would you like to see win the lottery? Like which team would you like to see if you could pick any of the teams in the top, like 14 chances to win it, who would you want to have the number one overall pick? The number one overall pick. That's, I don't know. OKC is probably my pick. Minnesota, maybe. Um, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think it's got to be OKC. I just think, like, everyone loves Shea. Everyone loves Dort. Everyone loves Pokusevsky. If we could get Cade Cunningham on that team with Moses Brown, I mean, just, like, that's 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 league pass MVP, 100%. Everyone's tuning in to watch that team. I'll say the one team I don't want to win the lottery, I think there's only one wrong answer, and that's the Pistons. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I think it's interesting, though. Let's flesh this out a little bit because they do have Jeremy Grant, who's one of your favorite players. Who's like, I do like kinda, him. He's an established type of, like, guy now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's scoring over 20 points. His efficiency has dropped a little bit, but he's still, like, we know who he is now, right, on this type of team. Yeah. Is it the worst thing to go to a team with Isaiah Stewart, who looks like an up-and-coming rookie, Sadiq Bey, who looks like an up-and-coming rookie, and Killian Hayes just got back? We're not sure how he plays, but, like, you, you just don't want them to get the number one overall. Yeah, I think you wanted me to say that it wouldn't be a bad thing, but I think it would be a bad thing. That's um, <laughs> I don't think Detroit has any sort of winning culture. Um, I don't think they really push each other to be great. Some of the quotes that came out of that team, like when Derek Rose left for the Knicks, um, Dwayne Casey said to him, you got a better chance making the playoffs on our team than you do going to the Knicks. Uh, which is just clueless. It shows that the Dwayne Casey at least has no idea what direction the team's going in. Um, I just think they have their organization's kind of a failure. Yeah. Um, and it would just be the worst place for Cade to go. I don't think it would be awful, but out of the teams that could win, it would be the worst place for him to go. I think you're right too. I think Houston's even a better situation just because yeah. they have Christian Wood. So like, and they have all those picks. Hopefully, well, they're not great picks, but they have picks. So hopefully, they can turn them into something. But yeah, Detroit. That's a weird pick to win the lottery. Hope they don't win it. I know that's kind of mean, but um, <laughs> all right. Last final question. This is the question I'm most excited for. What's who is one player that you're going to ride or die for, who's not named Cade Cunningham? Because I think me and you both think Cade Cunningham's going to be great, pretty much no matter what. Um, so who's a player that you're going to ride or die for who's not named Cade? I think it's Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson. That's a good pick. It depends on, I I may, uh, jump off his hype train immediately if he gets drafted to a bad team. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cause I think that'll make or break his career, but if he gets drafted to a promising team, I will ride with him to the death, man. I think he can be amazing. That's a good one. That's a, I like that pick a lot. I'm going to go with two players here because I can't – because one of them is, like, highly touted. But Evan Mobley, I just have, like, an unwavering belief that he's going to be an all-star one day. I'm not 
really sure why um the offensive game isn't great like inside he's great but just we spoke about it he needs to extend his range but the other player I like a lot is um Jonathan Kaminga I just he needs to go to a saint a good team like you were talking about with Keon Johnson like if he gets drafted to Detroit I won't be a fan of his but if he gets drafted to like Golden State or OKC or like maybe the Pelicans, a place with good player development, I'll ride or die for him. I'm going to say this early because I want this on record. I have no faith in Evan Mobley. I think think he'll go number two, and I don't think there will be any question about him going number two. Um, But if he gets drafted to a bad team, I think he's got really big bust potential just because his skinniness makes me worried that he can't stay on the floor. All right. We'll have to debate about that. Uh, hopefully they do summer league. They're trying to get summer league together. So hopefully we can like watch glimpses of these players before they hop into the league to talk about them a little bit more, but yeah. Oh, I, I, I am ready to debate that. I want to see some of his talent against actual NBA prospects, um, okay. but I'm going to stick with my take anyways. All right. Fair enough. Um, I think that wraps everything up, guys. Uh, Ben, anything else to say? Um, I got nothing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If you want to interact with us at The Chase Down, make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Blogger at The Chase Down Pod to join the conversation. Peace, everybody.